Welcome to the Elam Podcast with your hosts, Pastors Fred Penny, Jason Martin, and Greg Bowers. Let's get to it. Welcome to episode three of our Elam podcast. Uh, we are here in St. John's Newfoundland at Elam Pentecostal Tabernacle, staring out the window, and it is a beautiful day. Uh, the sky is blue, uh, the sun is out, and for those of you who do not live in Newfoundland, we are not accustomed to very hot weather. Uh, we're used to, uh, you know, a little bit of fog, uh, drizzly days. We do get warm weather every now and again, uh, but it's definitely a rarity. So we are going to take in this day uh, with great joy, and um, we don't get this very often. Uh, we just got through uh, an amazing weekend that we get to celebrate our fathers. Uh, and we didn't get a chance to say this, so we're going to talk about this today. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, um, If you whether you're a part of Elam or you're not a part of Elam. Uh, thank you for being a dad. Thank you for instilling uh, in your children and even uh, the children who are in your life who are not biological children. Uh, thank you for instilling uh, the sense of fatherhood in them, uh, giving them all they need and all the tools they need to live this life as the best person they can be, uh, especially uh, if you're showing them the way of Christ. So thank you for being a dad, thank you for being a great father, and happy Father's Day to you. And guys, I just got back yesterday, um, this past weekend, it wasn't just Father's Day for me, it was also my birthday, and what I did, I tagged along with my parents, and um, of course my wife and my son, and also my sister and her brother-in-law, or not her brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, her husband, and uh, we went to his hometown seldom in Fogo Island. Uh, for those of you who do not know Fogo Island, it's a it's a traditional Newfoundland spot. Uh, it's a little island just off the coast of Newfoundland. Uh, it takes about a 40 or 50 minute ferry ride to get over there. And it's very traditional Newfoundland. Um, when you go there, it's very small town. Um, the people are very uh, traditional in, in their ways and their culture. But on top of that, um, there's something a lot of people don't realize unless you actually know what Fogo is. Uh, there's a woman named Zita Cobb, I, think, I believe her name is. She is from Fogo, but she's a world-renowned artist. And she has taken Fogo Island and took it from a traditional Newfoundland island and has instilled it to be this hotbed of creativity and this hotbed of art. And uh, when you go to Fogo Island, you will see traditional Newfoundland culture there. But on top of that, you will see these art studios. You'll go to these restaurants that are very, uh, very much uh, cuisine art. And everything there is just all about being creative. And uh, it's a phenomenal spot. If you've never been to Fogo Island, I recommend it just to see the art studios alone. Uh, The architecture of these things are absolutely unbelievable. And of course, you get to see the famous Fogo Island Inn. Uh, that spot is absolutely unbelievable to see. So if you've never been there, whether, uh, you know, especially those who are in Newfoundland, uh, getting ready for a staycation season, if you don't know where to go yet, I highly recommend going to Fogo Island this summer. It's an unbelievable spot, and I highly, highly recommend uh, everything about it. Jason, what did you do this weekend? Well, now you got me wanting to go to Fogo Island. <laughs> I, I didn't do that this weekend, but uh, no, we had a great weekend together as a family. Uh, just a great Father's Day weekend. <clears throat> you know, of course, for us, there's the, uh, you know, the added element of 
we haven't yet been able to see for a little while now our own dads, uh, Cynthia's dad and mine. Um, and we're looking forward to that in a little bit as the, um, you know, as vacation time starts and the, uh, the island opens up a little bit. But no, it was a great weekend at home with the boys. Uh, we got out and played some golf this weekend, enjoyed some outdoor fun. Um, we got to go out and dine out on Saturday evening, which was nice. Uh, you know, for the past three months, we had, you know, that's not something we've been able to do. So we, uh, we got to go out for supper and uh, no, just an all around good weekend, good family time, good father son time for me and the boys and really enjoyable. So you're going to brag about your golf score that you had on the weekend? Or? Mm, what? Not entirely. I had one that I'd brag about, uh, but uh, not so much the others. <laughs> Welcome to golf. <laughs> Fred, what'd you do this weekend? Well, so let me let me kind of frame the weekend this way for you, Greg. So like on Friday, Val, my wife, says to me, so Fred, what do you think of Bluntstones? <laughs> and I said, I don't like Bluntstones. I don't get that. And then on Father's Day, Sunday afternoon, I was gifted with a pair of these things. <laughs> and I had to put my best smile on and you know, pretend to like them. So I'm going to need prayer for, you know, this relationship with my Blundstones. Maybe I'll start wearing them, you know. So that was one highlight, low light of the weekend. <laughs> um, got to take my dad for a drive. We went down to St. Phillips and out to Flat Rock and spent a bit of time with him. He's at uh, Meadow Creek Retirement Home. And so he's now allowed out of the building. So we're able to take an hour, uh, a couple hours and go for a drive. And then when we got back, uh, we had a family barbecue, and my sister-in-law and her two girls were with us. And Father's Day is different for them because their dad uh, is no longer with us. And so it, it, uh, it kind of changes the feel of Father's Day a little bit when you realize that uh, some families, you know, are dealing with challenges on that day. So it was good uh, to be with them. And uh, I also wrote a piece of poetry and tried to express uh, my affection and admiration for my own dad. So I gave, I gave him that uh, piece of poetry on Sunday afternoon down at Topsail Beach. So that's kind of some of the highlights of the weekend and one little kind of sort of low light. But we'll make that a highlight too. Blundstones, here I come. So more of the story. If you want to get a gauge on someone, if they like a gift or not, maybe not outright ask them because you might not get the answer that you're looking for. <laughs> but I, I can 100% guarantee if you come here on a Sunday, especially uh, in the winter, you will see Pastor Fred Penny wearing uh, and rocking his pair of Blundstones. This past weekend wasn't just um, a Father's Day for me. Um, many of you listening might not even know this. This was my first Father's Day. Uh, my son Emerson was born on March 12th, uh, right before COVID-19 really took full force. Um, and this past weekend was the first time I got to celebrate Father's Day. I made the joke to my dad this past weekend uh, that this holiday used to be all about him. And we would all get our cards for him and uh, we would eat a meal for him and he would be the one celebrating it. And now he has to share it with me and also my, uh, again, my brother-in-law was out in Fogo this past weekend. Uh, he had a little girl uh, last July. And now he has to share this day with us. And this weekend really got me thinking uh, um, 
all about being a father and, and the reality of being a dad. And I think it's, it's one thing to, you know, when you become an adult, it's one thing to get a mortgage for a house. It's one thing to get your first job and to have your careers, uh, career path change along the way or, or whatever may happen. Uh, it's one thing to do those things, being an adult. It's a, it's a completely different thing being a father. Um, the processing that I am now a dad to a living and breathing human being, uh, is, it's hard to, it's hard to process and it's so exciting. It's so amazing to have that feeling that now I'm a dad. Uh, and now that my wife, you know, now my wife can give me these mugs that have hashtag dad goals on it. And it's a legitimate gift. It's not something that I would just give my dad. But on top of that, uh, it's something that's a little bit overwhelming. The idea that I am now a dad. Um, and just understanding that whole concept of, of being a caregiver and a provider to this little boy who is now in my care for the rest of his life and the rest of my life. Um, it's exciting. It's adventurous. And, and I can't wait to see what every year is going to bring. But on top of that, it's an overwhelming thought to be a first-time dad. And the great part about it is that I don't have to kind of go through the feelings of being a first-time dad alone. Obviously, both of you have experienced that in your lifetime. So, Jason, when you became a father for the first time, let me know how you felt and kind of how uh, how have you gone along the way these past few years of being a dad and how have you developed into a dad? Yeah, you know, Greg, you're kind of, you know, causing me to reflect back to, uh, to that morning, um, you know, in Clarenville. Uh, when uh, Cynthia and I were pastoring there and, uh, you know, that morning when Andrew was born. And I remember having this moment of, you know, after all of the excitement of the birth and, and all that went with that and having some family and stuff around. But I, I do remember catching a moment um, just outside the hospital that morning where I was for a few minutes just myself with my own thoughts and thinking about fatherhood and thinking about the birth of a, like you said, another human being, uh, you know, and feeling that sense of, of excitement and elation, joy, but also, you know, that sense of responsibility and, you know, you know, this, this tremendous gift had been given to us, but at the same time, it comes with tremendous responsibility. And, and I remember having, having those feelings. Certainly now, you know, I'm a little further down the road than you, not as far down the road as Fred with grown children and, and grandchildren. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting journey to, to see your kids grow and develop. And for me now, I'm getting to a point where, you know, yes, there's the sense that it's father-son relationship, but I'm starting to feel like, but, you know, there's a friendship here. And, and these, these boys are growing into young men. And, uh, you know, the responsibility of all that never diminishes, uh, you know, over with the passing of time. <clears throat> but uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly an appreciation for the gift of fatherhood. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a joy of life that it's sometimes hard to put into words. Fred, can you think back to the first time you became a dad and, and kind of how your fatherhood developed throughout the years? Yeah, so the thing that comes quickly to mind is, you know, when our son Joel was born, 1990, at North York General Hospital, he was born at 2 a.m. 
I stayed at the hospital probably till about 7 a.m. And then I went home and just picked up the phone and started calling everyone in our phone book, our little, you know, kind of handwritten directory. And just couldn't wipe the smile off my face and just wanted to tell everyone. And it was, you know, and a couple of days later, when it was time to take our little guy home from the hospital, um, we would normally take the 401 and drive home from North York over to Scarborough. It was about maybe 10 minutes at the most on the 401. And I said to Val, I said, no, no, no. I am not taking our little baby home on the 401. We'll take side roads. It'll take a bit longer, but it's much safer. So <laughs> she kind of laughed at me a little bit. But I thought, you know what? No, we're going to take the safe ro road home today. <laughs> so, yeah. And one of the most interesting part about this room is that, again, and Jason kind of alluded, we are all at very, very different stages of fatherhood. I'm a first-time dad. Uh, Jason's been a father for, what, 15, 16, years. 16 years. And Fred has all of his kids grown up into adults, and he even has grandkids now as well. Um, so, again, I'm experiencing kind of the first-time father um, uh, feelings you would get and all the things that come along with that, um, understanding how to, you know, uh, grow a, a kid into uh, developing sleep habits and changing diapers and all those different things. That is the stage of life that I'm in right now. Uh, but I think it'd be really interesting just to talk about where both of you are at. And I'm, I'm going to start with you, uh, Jason. Um, and then I'm going to go to Fred, uh, Jason, 16 years you're into being a father now. Uh, what is it like to have, uh, you know, to be a first time dad and 16 years later, now you have, uh, Two, two boys who are now in youth. Um, what is it like to, to be at this stage of uh, being a father? Well, I tell you what, there's certainly no sense of, you know, I've arrived and I can now write the book on how this is done. <laughs> you know, I, I, I find that, you know, fatherhood is, is as much about my growth as it is about theirs and my development as a dad. But again, you know, it's just this, it's this sense of, you know, so many different things come into play as a father that you, you feel, uh, you know, there, there's the practical side of, of providing for, for your family. And I know that that's not exclusive to dads. It's a joint effort, you know, for, for, you know, dad and mom. And, but, you know, but even as a, as a disciple of Christ myself, there's this, you know, there's this, still this overwhelming sense that, you know, ultimately in life, you want your kids also to be, you know, well-developed disciples of Christ. I think about my own experience with my dad and, you know, having preached this past weekend, and we may allude to some of that in a bit, but, uh, you know, just reflecting back on my life with my dad, and I made mention on Sunday how, you know, my father's utmost concern in life, first and foremost, was that his children would have their own gospel transformation and you know their own relationship with the Lord and so you know as you as you grow through the different stages of life you know there's always that sense that's there as well that uh, you know you want to see your kids grow and develop into mature young men in my case but also you know I, I really just hope and pray that they've that they've you know also begun their own spiritual journey and and just to be that example is, uh, is a challenge that's ever before me. But uh, again, it's a growing process for everyone, them and me. 
And Fred, you are in a, in a position in, in your fatherhood uh, that me and Jason don't understand. A lot of our listeners aren't there yet. You have all your kids, um, I think, almost out, out the door. A lot of them are adults. Some of them have kids. Uh, just talk a little bit about what it's like to be at your stage of fatherhood. So, yeah, we have four kids, two boys and two girls. And the boys are 30 and 28, and the girls are 24 and 22. So um, I guess it's easier to look backward on fatherhood than it is to look forward. I mean, looking forward from where you sit, Greg, like you probably have great difficulty imagining Emerson to be 10 years old. I can't even imagine him walking at this right? point. Yeah. Isn't that true? It's true. But, you know, I can look back and remember, you know, each of my kids when they were 10 and when they went through high school and now they're adults. And so what does parenting look like now? So looking back over the different seasons, there's there's certainly different different challenges, different rewards. Um, not to scare you too much, Greg, but I I would probably say I, I found the period up to age 12 to be like just absolute joy. And then when they turned into teenagers and especially the high school season, that was a lot more challenging. It was challenging, you know, to find ways to connect. And like one of the things we connected around was baseball. Um, but there were other things where you, like at one point we had a, a boat and I thought, well, we'll connect, you know, with the boys in particular on the boat. And that happened occasionally, but not really at the level I would have liked, you know. Uh, our youngest, Julia, she was the person who spent the most time on the boat with me, you know. So that was that was great, you know, gave us some time together. But yeah, there's there's trying to sort out their personalities. That's that's interesting. And um, I don't mind saying like there'd be things I would have done differently if I had it to do over again. You know, uh, I think I might have been more intentional in maybe challenging them at times. I mean, nowadays, you know, we talk about, well, just love your kids and accept them and affirm them and build them up and all that. And I think I did a pretty good job of that. I'm not sure. I think there were moments I could have maybe challenged them to be better uh, that maybe I missed, you know. So it's it's a complex thing. There's a lot of layers, a lot of layers to being a dad, you know. So at this stage, do you feel like, do you feel a sense of a completion? Do you feel like there's more to uh, give into your fatherhood? Or uh, do you feel like you're done? You got all your kids growing up into adults? No, you never lose the desire, you know, to parent them and to help them. Uh, one of the other cool things that happened this weekend is I had about a one-hour conversation with uh, one of the kids over the phone about life and work and um, understanding, you know, his particular personality, uh, I can, I can speak into his life. I think in a way nobody else can. And even if he <laughs> listens to twenty five percent of what I say, 
I, I still have a unique voice, you know, that I, I guess nobody else has. And you can get advice out of a book or off of YouTube, but it's not the same as when your dad speaks. And he sent me a text message the next morning and thanked me for the conversation. So that, that was actually pretty meaningful to me to get some positive feedback from him on that conversation. Jason, did you have a thought? No, I was just going to say it's interesting, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of just now at that stage that Fred referenced with, you know, kids becoming teenagers. And uh, I can totally relate, you know, to the, to the balance you look for as, as a father when, you know, there's, there's the loving support and the encouragement, but then there's also, you know, your recognition of ways where they probably don't see some of their own potential, but you see it. And you kind of want to, you don't want to, uh, you, you don't want to come off as overpowering in ways, but at the same time, you really want them to see that some of the, sometimes the things they don't see in themselves and you know that they're bright and you know that they are creative and you know that they can accomplish, you know, whatever in life. And, uh, you know, you just, you know, sometimes finding the balance between encouragement and motivation. I think it's it's always there, lived intention, uh, you know, you know, as I'm as I'm finding that there's a friendship there as well as well as a father son relationship, but uh, yeah, absolutely, it's it's interesting to hear someone talk who's who's been through that stage. I think a really important point that you brought up. Uh, I am I'm 26 years old. I only graduated high school eight years ago, so there's still a lot of the high school, uh, you know, personality that you have and and the sense that you have. Um, uh, still pretty fresh in my mind. One of the coolest, well, cool thing that you kind of both brought up there is the idea that you've seen potential in your son, uh, even though your son or your daughter really didn't see it at that point. And, and I look back at my life in high school and, and the things that I couldn't see in myself, um, but my dad did, which is why he pushed me, which is why he challenged me, which is why he put me in situations that made me feel uncomfortable. I was a super quiet kid in high school. I would never be doing what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for my dad who pushed me uh, to be a better person, to be a better uh, conversationalist, to be confident in who I am so I can do the work that I need to do each and every day. And it is the father's example that helps that. So it's you seeing, you know, and Andrew and Nathan and Fred, it's you see, looking back and seeing what you instilled in challenging your kids and uh, it's those moments that make every single person, and we can all look back at what our fathers have done for us, who form us into the people that God wants us to so, be. Greg, I have a question. I wonder how much of that is intentional, teachable moments, and how much of it is just watching and listening, and you know, it's it's in the air you breathe, it's in the conversation around the table, it's. It's just when you're driving from A to B. How much of parenting, you know, is, is listen, I got something to teach you, and how much of it is just absorbing the environment? It's a good question because I, I don't, as you were saying that, I don't think I can think of a moment where dad sat me down and said, this is how to do it. It was always through natural conversation or natural moments, whether it's around a dinner table, whether it's out driving, whether he's picking me up at school or whatever it may look like. I don't remember a like a formal conversation where dad was like, 
okay, son, this is this. You know, it was always through natural living where he was able to teach me examples. Do you have anything to say about that, Jason? No, I mean, that was, that was my experience too. Uh, you know, I think about, I think about my, my life path and how it led me to ministry. Uh, you know, Greg, you're, you're, you're a pastor and you're the son of a pastor. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, my dad, my dad was very influential in instilling in me an absolute love and hunger for the Word of God. But it wasn't because, you know, as you say, Fred, it wasn't that it was necessarily a systematic teaching moment. But I saw him spend a lot of time in the Word. And we had a lot of, I mean, as a young child, I had a lot of spiritual conversations with my dad that may have seemed a, a bit, you know, abnormal at the time, I guess, for kids my age. But it's just the way it went for me. But again, it was very organic, very natural. And, uh, you know, certainly learned, learned by example. Speaking of the Word, Jason, you had a pretty cool message this past Sunday. Um, kind of around the idea of fatherhood and uh, taking a passage in 1 Corinthians and making it thematic around Father's Day. Can you just give us kind of a quick overview uh, before we finish up this podcast on uh, kind of how you developed that message and how you connected the dots there? Sure. So, I mean, we were, we're, in, a, we're in the middle, middle of a series that Fred introduced a few weeks back uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians called Community Under Construction. And so, you know, the whole, the whole premise of that is that, you know, the Corinthian church is very much a community that's under construction. You know, so really, when Paul is writing this letter, you know, the church certainly isn't where it will yet be in its growth and development, but it's also not where it was. And so, you know, that in and of itself is a great connection to human growth and development. You know, our kids, you know, they're not yet what they will be, but they're also not what they were in, in so many areas, even physically, but also spiritually. And so, but, you know, as Paul is writing this letter, one of the things that stood out to me early on as I was thinking about, you know, Father's Day, well, one of the things that made it really easy was that before 1 Corinthians 4 is done, Paul is actually talking in the language of fatherhood. You know, he's talking about writing to his dear children. He references Timothy, whom he refers to as his son, uh, whom he loves. And so Paul is speaking to them not only as an apostle and a spiritual figure and leader in the church, but he's, he's really talking to them as a father would talk to his children. And, you know, that conversation for Paul involves a lot of things as Corinthians moves along. You know, there's correction that has to happen. You know, there's teaching moments that have to happen. But it's all kind of blanketed in just this desire of this loving father figure to see his spiritual children become everything that that he believes God wants them to be and knows that God has called them to be. And so, you know, I, I didn't find the connection a difficult one to make given the language that Paul uses in this text. And I just had four simple points. You know, fatherhood is a matter of servant leadership. Uh, fatherhood is not only a matter of biology. You know, here's here's a guy talking so much about fatherhood and he's not a biological father but he feels very much like a father in the faith. And, you know, in my message, I referred back to my own upbringing. My biological dad was a spiritual dad for me as well. I, I think about men in the church I grew up in. And you know what? Like, they weren't, we had no biological relationship. But they really looked at me as, as another one of their sons in the faith. And I had men who taught me in Sunday school and led me in youth programs and men who were former pastors of mine. 
and, and I think about, you know, their father-figure relationship in my life, and all of it came together as being very influential for me. And so, again, the connect wasn't difficult to make as Paul is speaking to the church here as, as a father figure in their lives. Fatherhood goes way beyond biology. I think that was most, one of the coolest parts about that whole message. And Fred, do you have a thought on that passage? Yeah, just to pick up on what Jason was saying there, I love verses 14 and 15 in the passage. Paul says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I became your father through the gospel. So that's a pretty, um, pretty amazing comment that Paul makes there. And uh, it gives us the opportunity to think about that for ourselves, how we can um, father, uh, that's not the right word maybe, how we can influence and shape, uh, mentor, you know, the younger generation. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool comment Paul makes there. Well, that's about all the time we have for today, but that was an excellent conversation around the whole idea of fatherhood and uh, just the practical and the biblical examples around fatherhood. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We're really enjoying doing this, and we really hope you guys are as well. Uh, So we are going to continue doing this biweekly. We appreciate all of you, uh, whether you're part of the Elam family or, or not. Thank you for taking the time to listen to uh, three guys of all different generations. I uh, just kind of talk about different topics around Christian culture and, and just practical uh, life as well. So we will be seeing you again in two weeks. We love you. We appreciate you. See you soon. Take care. Take care.